Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for you to step out of those closets of your life and to face your fears, dump your excuses, and start living an unapologetic life. And today's guest and I kind of have some stuff very dang similar in common. Those of you who've listened to this podcast for years know that I was married, I had a couple of kids, and then I came out of the closet. But prior to all that, I came out and then I went back in the closet. And it's always kind of a controversial conversation to have because people are like, well, if you knew what you were, why did you do this? And if you did that, why didn't you just stay out of the closet to begin with? And it's not all black and white, nor is it easy. And until you hear somebody's stories and stand in their foot, in their footsteps, so to speak, and if you stand in their shoes and experience what they have gone through, you can't really comment on it. And this young lady approached me and said, here's my story. And I thought this is very interesting because most of the time when I see this happen, it becomes more of a generational thing. It's people in their 40s and 50s who are like, yeah, I knew who I was, but I didn't do it. And Alex Petrarca is going to share her story about how she did this. And she's actually just in her 20s and took this journey. So um, Alex, I'm really glad you reached out and welcome to the podcast. I'm looking forward to this exploration from a different generational perspective. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much, Rick. I'm excited to publicly share my story for the first time. Awesome, awesome. So what what prompted you to say, hey, I want to share this story? What is, what's behind this? Because I think it's always interesting to hear people's perspectives on why they want to share their story like this. Yeah, I mean, for a long time, I was like really ashamed of this. And I, uh, people who have come into my life, you know, since I've gotten divorced, a lot of them don't know that I was married. Um, and if they did, it would blow their minds. Right. Um, but yeah, I just like for a long time have been really ashamed of it and never want to share it with anybody. But I feel like I'm in a place now where I'm like, you know what, what happened happened. And um, I learned from it and I grew from it and like I kind of have a happy ending now where I'm really comfortable in my life and I feel mm. like I'm I'm who I'm supposed to be and I'm living the life I'm supposed to have. So I feel like now is the, a better time than I need to, to share it. Mm -hmm. and I, I'm glad you started with the shame piece because this is for so many of us um, in the LGBTQ community, it all emanates from a place of shame. We yeah. are ashamed for who we are or who we think we're supposed to be or shame that we're having these thoughts or shame that we can't figure this out. And shame, shame, shame seems mm -hmm. to be a lot of what drives us. And of course, then society puts this on it. And again, this is where I usually get myself in some hot water, but I really don't give a fuck <laughs> because I wish people in society would realize every time you shame an LGBTQ person into believing that they're not good enough or they shouldn't be this, you exacerbate the stories we're about to share in Alex's journey. So um, let's kind of step back to when did you really figure this out for yourself that, 
hey, I think I'm having these same sex attractions and this might be my story, but not sure what to do with it. Yeah, I think I was, um, the first memory I have of kind of thinking or realizing that I might be gay was I think I was about 12 or 13 and I was watching an episode of Degrassi and it was the episode of Degrassi where, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but um, Marco, you know, comes out to his friends. Mm-hmm. And I remember just watching that and having this gut, like this feeling in my gut, like, oh my God, I hope I'm not gay. Like just mm-hmm. this feeling like if I was, that would like be the end of the world. And yeah. I just was so clinging to hope that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I kind of, you know, like put it in the back of my mind because I was still young. I was like 12 or 13. Sure, so, sure. Um, I didn't really have like any sexual attraction to anybody yet. Um, but I just remember having that feeling like, I hope I'm not gay. And then um, a year or two later, I had a friend who, um, a lot of my friends were, most of my friends were um, internet friends in high school because I was kind of like a black sheep and didn't really fit in with that many people in my actual high school. So one of my internet friends who was my best friend at the time, I started feeling like, hey, I really like her, like more than just a friend. Mm-hmm. Um and it was like this really strong feeling that I never had before for somebody else. And I had told her about it and I was like, I called it a girl crush. I was like, sure. I have a girl crush on you. And she was like, oh, okay, that's cool or whatever. And we were still really close. It didn't like affect our friendship or anything like that. But like my feelings started growing stronger. And I just, I kept convincing myself like this is a fluke. Like it's a one-off thing. It's just because we're best friends and we're so close. Like I, I didn't really think I was gay. And then um, I met somebody else and I started to feel the same way towards her. And I was like, okay, it's not a fluke. I actually, I'm, I'm gay. Right, right. And I think for many of us, what you just described is exactly what we all go through. And yeah. I've worked with people, you know, in all ages, but even people who at 35, 40, 45, 50, who finally like, okay, I know this. It's so interesting to talk to them and realize that this was actually happening at an earlier stage in life, but then mm-hmm. they kind of put it away and then it became such a routine of it's so far put away that it didn't really exist. And then suddenly one day, yep. poof, it shows up. Yeah. And, you know, it can be 10, 15, 20, 30 years later. And they're like, oh, my God, this thing really is real. It wasn't just a passing phase. It was a yeah. phase that happened. And then I put it away as a passing phase, but it really didn't, you know, stay buried, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So. So what was that moment for you that you're like, okay, I've got to go deal with this. What started to make you realize I've got to really start exploring this? Yeah. So I remember I was talking to my um, friend, Emily, who I went to high school with, and I was talking to her about this second girl that I started having feelings for. And I remember just telling her like, yeah, I'm gay. Like she was the first person I ever told the first person I ever came out to, I think the only person I ever actually came out to because everybody else just knew that I was Mm, gay. mm -hmm, Um, Even if like, if you see pictures of me at like five years old, you know that I was gay. Um, So I never really had to come out to anybody, Um, but she was the only person I ever actually came out to. And it was like, you know, over in a minute, it was like, Mm. I'm gay. And she was like, okay. And then I told her about how I like this girl. And, and that was that. And um, I never really had to like come out to my family or anything like that. They all just knew. (laughs) Okay. So then what changed? What happened after that? You're starting to like accept yourself. You're stepping into this and then a big change happened again. 
Yeah. Um, so I never really had, I was never ashamed of who I was. Um, I never had any, you know, issues with my identity or anything. Like once I realized I was in it and that was that. Um, and a lot of that was due to, I got into the band Tegan and Sarah and they just changed my whole life and just, I never felt ashamed of who I was because they made me feel proud of who I was. Mm -hmm. um, and so like I was super cool with myself and my identity. Um, and then my senior year of high school, um, I, well, let me give some backstory. So I went to a high school where it's not uncommon for the, fr for the students to be friends with the teachers, um, which now I know as an almost 30 year old that that's not cool. Right. Um, <laughs> especially in today's age, like after, day and age after like the me too movement and stuff like that like it's just not cool um teachers should be teachers and there should be boundaries and students should be students um but my high school at the time was not uncommon for for students and teachers to hang out right. so i had um an art teacher who i started hanging out with and he knew i was gay and you know um we just became like closer friends and we started hanging out more and then um after my senior year um we started dating um, and it all just kind of escalated and my parents were like, what are you doing? And I mean, they threw a fit obviously because he was my teacher. Um, but they were like, what are you doing? Like you're gay. And he, why is he doing this? He knows you're gay. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't speak for him. I don't know <laughs> what he was thinking. Um, but I really can't explain it. I never felt like I turned straight or like I wasn't gay anymore. I always right. still felt gay and knew I was gay but I just kind of couldn't describe it. And like looking back now, I knew I was not in love with him, but it was just like something that happened and it started happening. And then inertia just like kept moving things forward. And mm -hmm. then we ended up a couple years later getting engaged and then a couple years later got married. And I, once we were married, I maybe within a year was like, I hate my life. I need mm -hmm. to get out of this somehow. But I'm not surprised because I think many people, and especially given where we are, or I'm going to say given where most of us with open minds are about mm -hmm. things, that it's almost like that was like a little bit of a dip in the toe for you with like a polyamorous relationship. Like I can, I can possibly like be in a relationship with you at a deeper level, but mm -hmm. there's something that's not quite working. Yeah. And, you know, people have always said to me, well, you know, how did you, how did you do that? How did you have sex with your wife? I'm like, I just had sex with my wife. So yeah. that's the big thing. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, I wasn't one of the, I'm not one of those gay men. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think sometimes you just, you fall in love with people for who the person is. Mm -hmm. And while everybody else might not get it, it's like, hey, this is kind of working right now. In fact, one of my clients said to me, Right after I started working with him, he's like, I don't know that I'm gay, but I'm having this relationship with this guy, and that's where I am right now. Yep. And I thought that was a really interesting way to table it because yeah. he was married, but mm -hmm. he didn't get divorced or anything because he came out. They just, it just didn't work. Yeah. And then it was a couple of years later that he kind of discovered this other side of himself. And as he began to work through it, I thought that was a good space to like operate from. This is mm -hmm. just where I am right now. However, as we both know, society needs to know who we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the only way they can function is if we know, oh, you're gay. Okay, you're lesbian. Okay, you're... 
Yeah. And I know because I, I can go into that in other areas of life too. It's like, okay, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Because I need yeah. to know how this all works. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's interesting when you can see this thing with yourself and then suddenly go, okay, wait, this isn't working. So what was that thing that really, really, really wasn't working for you when you finally said, wait, this is <laughs> not working in my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was like progressive over time over like it took two years from when I started feeling like really ashamed of who I was and really ashamed of my life. Like I started deleting all my social media accounts because I was just so embarrassed to like be posting about my life because I felt like uh, I, like ashamed to be straight or like ashamed to be like labeled as straight and ashamed to like, you know, I had like the like looking from a, looking at my life from an outside perspective, like. I was married and I had a stepkid and I lived in a house and like, I like everything was fine. Um, like I had what a lot of people aspire to have, but I was so ashamed and like so miserable because I knew it's not the life that I was supposed to have. And I wasn't being true to myself. And I just felt like I was not me. Um, like I was trapped in somebody else's is somebody else's life. Um, I just remember I think that shame piece is huge, which I wish people could understand that. Yes, shame can come from, okay, I'm living a lie. Yeah. Which for me was part of it, but more of the shame came from, I'm not living my truth, which exactly. then led me to, I'm not living, I'm ashamed because I'm not, I'm living this lie. Mm -hmm. And which led to, and this lie is actually not being good to a lot of people right now. Yeah. And it started though with, my shame was I'm not living my truth. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the two kind of went hand in hand, but I, every time that something would happen, I'm like, okay, I did that. I went and had, you know, I hooked up with somebody and okay, that doesn't feel right because that means I'm a cheater and I, I I'm in infidelity, which is mm -hmm. something that I couldn't stand with my own family blueprint. My parents did that a lot and here I was doing it. And yeah. I realized that that was an action of acting out in a way to like, okay, yes, to get by and kind of get through it. But mm -hmm. it was a way of covering up my own not having truth of myself, you know, not letting yep. myself totally show up in the way it needs to. Yep. And I bet there's some similarities there for you too. It's like suddenly you just become overwhelmed by it. Yeah, definitely. It was, I got super depressed and I didn't want to leave my bed. And I just kind of what, you know, made me rip off the bandaid. Um, I just like was remembering feelings that I had, you know, for those girls when I was in high school. And I was like, I've never felt that way for him. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when I kind of realized, you know, it took me a few years, but I, that's when I kind of realized myself, like, this is not the person who I should be with. Mm -hmm. um, like, it's not fair to me or him. And I remember we went to breakfast one morning uh, with his mom and it was just like a nice breakfast, like the family out to eat. And I remember thinking, I want to die right now. Like this is, there's nothing wrong with this moment or what's happening here, but I want to die. And that's when I was like, I need to get out. Like if this is the moment, like these are the moments that make me want to kill myself. Like I need to yep. get out of this. Exactly. And those moments are those that I think they... They continue, at least in my case, and it sounds like someone in your case, they continue to build till that moment you're like, I just want to die. Yeah. You know, I just, you know, this has been creeping up and creeping up yeah. and creeping up. But I also find that 
people make a quick assumption on this and you just brought it up. So I want to go explore a little more. Mm -hmm. You suddenly realized this attraction to these women. Yep. But my guess is it wasn't just about sex. No. It was like, I find myself attracted. I find myself pulled to them. I find myself imagining what it might be like to be doing a relationship with somebody like that or having conversations yeah. and being, you know, intimate. And I don't mean sex. I'm talking about like having intimate conversations and holding hands and mm -hmm. being able, you know, and so many people assume that those of us that are lesbian and gay mm -hmm. and, and bisexual too, I don't want to leave the bisexuals out, transgender folks, we've done this enough on this show. That's a yeah. whole different ball game. But they think it all stems from sex. Mm -hmm. And that's not it at all. No. It's who we feel comfortable with. It's who we feel attracted to. Yeah. It's who we see that we could do a life with and it would be as normal as a heterosexual couple saying, yes, this is who I'm attracted to. Yep. So as you started to come around the bend again or open back up to this is your truth, what mm -hmm. was some of the scary stuff that you started feeling? Um, I was really scared, obviously, of what people thought, what people would say. Um, I was really afraid to hear I told you so from everybody that I knew. Mm -hmm. um, I was afraid that um, because he supported me a lot financially, I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to like survive on my own. Um, so there were a lot of, like, these were a lot of reasons that kept me from leaving for as long, like it took me, like I said, about two years from when we got married for when I actually like worked up the courage to leave. Um, so these were a lot of things that were stopping me the whole time. And these were like the scary things, you know, once I did leave, I moved back in with my parents and luckily like. I had um, just went back to school, so there was a lot changing in my life all at once. And luckily, I was able, you know, to get by and support myself um, on the little money that I was making. And I mean, I was just like, it's not even worth it at this point. Like, I would rather be poor than than this be my life. So, like, all of those things, like all of my fears, I just kind of like tossed them aside because I thought, you know, the alternative would be better, and it was. So I got by and, you know, nobody told me I told you so. I mean, maybe my mom did once or twice, but right. um, it was just, I didn't care anymore. And I was just like, any fear that I have, it's not worth it. And I think that's a big point to make. Any fear that we have is truly not worth it. And I know yeah. a lot of people listening to this may go, bullshit. Well, that's what it is. Fear is bullshit. Because yeah. if you think about most fears that you've encountered through your life, mm -hmm. most, okay, they're only as scary until you walk through them. In fact, that's one of the lines I use in one of my talks is fear is only as big as we allow it to be. Yeah. And once we're through it, it's done. Once yeah. we walk past it, it's like, okay, it's all over. But mm -hmm. yes, coming up to it, it can be really, really scary. But those fears are really so much smaller than the overall picture of our whole life. Yeah, totally. You know, and I, I relate totally what you just said because I went through the same thing. I'm like, okay, I've got a house, I've got two kids, mm -hmm. I've got this high paying job, all this sort of stuff. I mean, we were luckily by the time I made the decision to like, okay, I'm going to do this. We were really only in debt for car payments and house payments. So yep. it wasn't like I had the huge credit card debt that I had before, but those fears just kept holding me and holding me. And I kept thinking, I don't know how I'm going to survive. I don't know how I'm going to live. And da 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 da, da. Mm -hmm. And then ironically, right after everything unfolded, I, I lived in Southern California at the time in Orange County. 
And the next thing I knew, I was actually living in Laguna Beach, one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. And I thought, how ironic that I had this fear that I would be broke and living in my car and all these things. And now here I am. It wasn't a big place. It was a tiny little studio, just barely big enough for me and my girls at the time. Mm-hmm. But it was one of the most beautiful places I ever got to live. And I think that's proof positive of we let the fears hold us back so much that we can't get done the thing we most need to do to yeah. bring our own happiness into play. So as you went through this and finally said, okay, I'm taking the stand, what do you feel like you learned most from that experience? Oh, good question. I know there's so much there probably <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, I guess just the power of authenticity and and just, you know, just being authentic and you know, like I said, like putting your fears aside and just doing it because you need to be who you need to be and you need to live your life how you want to live it. And so, yeah, I, I can't, like, I would never get into a situation like that again, obviously, but like even anything close to that, I can't imagine ever getting into again because I just know now to like, just be authentic with myself. I think it's one of the most beautiful gifts that we get through the coming out journey. And that's the reason that I've opened this podcast up to telling many different kinds of stories, because to me, every time somebody comes out of a closet in their life, whether it's Mm -hmm. the closet of I'm not happy in this relationship to coming out of the closet because of sexuality, or I'm leaving my high paying job because I want to do something for purpose. It gives us the strength to say, this is what living authentically is all about. This is what it feels like. This is the joy. This is the freedom. This is where I learned to grow and the next time something like this comes up, you go, wait, hopefully you go, wait, Yeah. (laughs) Say I'm not going to do this again. And and I can honestly say that a lot of the business decisions I now make based on the kind of work that I do. And when I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about doing something, it's because of my coming out experience that I make decisions the way I do. It's like, no, that doesn't align with who I am. No, that doesn't fit with who I believe I am as a business person. And especially when you're running your own business, you kind of got to go, okay, do I stand in my power and my authenticity or, mm-hmm. you know, and there's other times where you go, yes, this needs to happen. It may not completely align with me, but I'm glad you said that because I believe most of us, if we work the authenticity muscle, mm-hmm. it becomes a habit. Yeah. And the more it becomes a habit, the more we live our truth and the more we live our truth, the more free we feel in our lives. Mm-hmm. So here you are now. Yep. <laughs> and she's in a closet, by the way, folks. She's yeah. recording this in a closet right now, <laughs> um, which most of you know, I used to do the same thing and now I don't. I've got, I, I'm able to record this in my office. But uh, So where's life taking you now? Yeah. So now I am like living the life that I always wanted to live um, for as long as I can remember. I have an incredible girlfriend um, and we have a cat and a rescue dog. And um, I work from home every day and I'm a freelancer and I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And if you could give somebody a little tip on this about taking the big step, what would you like to leave the audience with before we wrap up here? Well, let's see. Um, well, if you're about to take a big step, just, I think the, the best advice count to three and do it. Mm. Like when you get to three, do it because if you don't, you never will. All right. You can't get to two, two and a quarter, two and a half. Yeah. 
it doesn't work. I mean, it, it can work because yeah. you're, then you're just stuck there. You're stuck yep. at that place. And yes, it's scary, but there isn't anything in life that isn't scary. <laughs> I don't want to, I'm always amazed that people say, Oh, that's so scary. Really? Waking up in the morning, it can actually be scary if you think about it. Is mm -hmm. that you wake up and now, okay, now I got to go get through this day. Can I get through this day? Can I get to that point where I get to come home and then have dinner and watch my favorite TV show? Am I going to make it through the day without getting hit by a car or getting, we could make everything about life scary. Yep. But when we just go live life and stay and you know, this, we're going to go a little woo woo here. We stay in our present moments and go, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to be living. That to me is the ultimate living life outside of the closet. So um, I'm so glad you reached out and connected and said, <laughs> I really think this would be a good story um, yeah. because I haven't, I really haven't had this kind of a conversation with someone in their, their 20s, 30s. Yeah. It's usually the people who are in their midlife. And I was so glad you stepped forward because I think this proves to people that what they think isn't happening still happens. Yep. People still go, mm, no, I'm going to do what I think, you know, would be the best thing to do. And they go try it. And then, and in your case, luckily, a couple of years later, you're like, oh, no, this isn't going to work. Mm -hmm. Most people who do this, it isn't just a couple of years later. It can be yeah. 10, 15, 20 years later. And then suddenly there's a whole lot of stuff that happens. And, you know, hey, that's their life path. That's the way mm -hmm. it's supposed to play out for them. But it's inspiring and refreshing to me to be able to have someone at your stage of life sharing that, yes, I made this decision and I consciously said, hey, I'm going to do this. And it didn't come from a place of, I'm going to hide myself. It didn't come from a place of, okay, maybe I can change myself. It just yeah. happened. Yep. And then it didn't. And when it didn't, things shifted and you move on, you make amends and you keep going. So, um, yeah, great stuff. Thanks for sharing. Really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family, another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping into living your life uncloseted. <laughs>